welcome to The Last Thing I Saw. This is another episode in the Sundance 2022 series. I guess this is just past the first weekend, which has a real pileup of titles. You have a real avalanche, if you'll pardon the term. And I'm, I'm pleased to be plowing through the avalanche of titles again with Eric. Eric Hines. Hello. Hello, Nick. It's good to be plowing with you. I guess it's for lack of like uh, actual snow that I'm, <laughs> I'm just expressing that lack. Um, but I mean, it is, I guess it is sort of traditionally bigger titles or titles expected to have some sort of splash. Uh, you see them on like a Friday night or a Saturday night. So, so there's that, even if there aren't particular locations, uh, theaters associated with, with them. Yeah. I guess we talked a lot about documentaries in, in the first episode, so I thought we could start with a fiction feature uh, and then immediately lapse back into time. <laughs> it's, a, it's important to keep the documentaries away from me as long as you possibly can before I lure <laughs> you into a doc-only. Oh, doc. Even, even, saying, even, even saying the syllable doc gives me shivers, sorry. Non, <laughs> non-fiction. How about, we, how about we get into non-fiction topics? Non-fiction. Anyway, I'm anyway, sorry. Let's start I with the fiction. That. Let's start with the fiction, the stuff that's all made up. Yes, all this that's all made up, um, which, as you know, is a harder accomplishment because with non-fiction, it's just stuff that's in front of you. Uh, fiction, you actually have to work a little and make things up. you got to be creative. Yeah, you got to be creative. With non-fiction, it's just, you know, I mean, how hard is that? <clears throat> um, <laughs> joke, just to clarify, a joke. But, yeah, speaking of fiction... There's a lot to choose from, and there's a lot that people have already been talking about. Uh, but for me, a movie that I enjoyed, the tone of it and the humor in it, which is something that I've sort of been missing with some movies, and that is Duel, which is uh, the new film from director Riley Stearns. It is a science fiction story, but it's, it's sort of a deadpan science fiction story uh, about a, a woman who learns that she has a terminal illness and then immediately decides to create a double, uh, which is a thing you can do because this is in the future where you have these designer services that you can do. And this is something people might already recognize from, you know, a recent movie like Swan Song. And, you know, she creates a double and then, you know, immediately there is this sort of conflict that can happen when when you have someone who's supposed to take over your life. uh, And and the idea is that this person will take over your life sort of seamlessly. But you know from the start that this is not going to be a straightforward process because the actual opening scene of the movie, without really explaining much, is a duel on a dark field uh, between a man and his double. A duel with an E, fight to the death. And it's done in this stark and underplayed, but and sort of sinister, but also somewhat slightly distanced way, which describes a lot of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this was on your radar. I've liked, I think, one and a half of his past features. It is on my radar, and 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 I'm actually intrigued by the the way you're describing the tone, um, and even and even the double entendre of that first season scene actually sounds compelling as as such things go. Like maybe it's more than cute. Right. I mean, that's the thing. Like, this could be a movie that just plays the thriller aspect of it, you know, the, the inevitable confrontation between the two. But it's actually a movie that has more in common for me with sarcastic, like, postmodern science fiction or, or even stuff that's not considered as such. Like, you know, like a George Saunders, like, dystopia sort of stuff he was writing in the 2000s, like Civil War Land and Bad Decline right. or something like right. that. Um, it almost has more in common with that because it's not, 
I mean, it's certainly not about really the, the ethics of it. It's there's kind of it's more about the real and, and often kind of petty emotions that come into play. But the affect of all the, of all the actors is just kind of interesting. They're talking. A lot of them are talking not like robots, but like as if they are already doubles, but not in like a we are all already boring copies of of ourselves. Right. Right. Um, so I think it's an intriguing angle to to take on this, even though it is a kind of um, tongue in cheek. But then I guess there could be people who just watch this kind of straight as well. Does it hold up for the straight viewing? I think it does enough. I think it does enough simply because you, there, I mean, he keeps alive the suspenseful component of it that, uh, you know, she starts training. Yeah, the main character, Sarah, and her double is called Sarah's Double. I, I mean, movies like this have a lot of fun with like what the legal apparatus will be around these things. Right, and, right. Um, so until she, her double takes over, she's just referred to as Sarah's double. But, you know, Sarah becomes aware that things might not go smoothly because of the over eagerness of her double. Um, so she starts kind of weapons training um, with a also deadpan trainer played by Aaron Paul. So that's a nice other thread as well. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing Aaron Paul in something other than a sports gambling commercial. How is, how is he? <laughs> you know, I thought he was, he was pretty good because he, he, he also, I think finds the humor in it just sort of underplaying the kind of ridiculousness uh, of it, just playing it's playing that straight. Okay, good. Yeah. That's dual. I, I, I hope it doesn't get, get lost. So, but yeah, that's fiction. Of course, for fiction, I have to choose the most like ridiculous kind of premise. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it almost sounds funny because there, because you know, thematically, there's so much that is being dealt with in in, in dramas at Sundance. Before you transition, just be so that people don't think that I'm incapable of talking about fiction, I'll just sort of say <laughs> briefly um, that, of course, we, we are well represented by our choices here. My my choice for a fiction title last night was this uh, Ukrainian film Klondike. By, mm. by Marina Gorbach. Uh, and uh, we don't need to talk about it in too much uh, detail, but yeah, I mean, it's a, a sort of dour grayscale Ukrainian semi-war film. It's right up my alley. Uh, and <laughs> I wasn't entirely enthralled to the film, but I, it, is a, it is definitely something that, it is, it is an extremely deliberate movie. And it is sort of like a limited number of shots, a lot of kind of slow pans, through spaces kind of revealing landscape and revealing other details. Um, there's there's such a, a level of kind of care and forethought to everything about it, which can be a bit stultifying, but also is kind of wonderful to see in the context of of a lot of fiction titles, you know, many of which I have not seen yet, but I would, I would presume that it is a style of filmmaking that is uh, unique to its context here in Sundance. So I was grateful, mm -hmm. I was grateful for that. Um, and, you know, it's, it's about the moment in Ukraine when war is beginning between Russian, you know, the separatists backed by Russia and, and nationalists in Ukraine and uh, the, the downing of the commercial air, uh, airline uh, over that disputed territory and story about two, uh, you know, a couple who are expecting a child kind of being kind of caught in the, in the crossfires, as it were. Um, yeah, in some ways, I think it's probably too deliberate and too sort of telegraphing all the things that it's doing. Um, but just on a sort of filmmaking level and a kind of sort of conviction behind, you know, what this filmmaker is doing, um, it's it's certainly compelling and worth seeing. Yeah, it's my 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 quick job. That's to show us that you you still have a a, a foot in the fictional world. <laughs> Most people are worried that. I want to reassure us that they, they have a foot in the real world, but we need to reassure that we have a, people, a foot in the fictional world. <laughs> Welcome to me. Welcome. 
such a fascinating like thread of cinema that's developed around the Ukraine Russia conflict. One of my favorite movies that kind of went undersung in the past five or so years is a uh, uh, Donbass, right? Um, yeah, which I know you know well. Yeah, Sergei Lesnitsa movie. So no, I mean yeah, I mean it's uh, that's it's an absolute masterpiece that for various reasons some uh, unfair, others sort of I think self-inflicted, just kind of really hasn't been been seen. But you're right. No, but it, it is it is interesting how that region and the conflict therein for the last decade or so is ripe for, for interesting storytelling and necessary subject for storytelling. But, you know, and, and here we are on the verge of potentially kind of like the fire really starting um, as, mm-hmm. as we do this. Yeah. yeah. While we're on the topic, I, it might be a good time just to mention a, a Ukraine film of nonfiction called House Made of Splinters. Okay. It's set in not really, not at all an, an orphanage, but just a kind of boarding house for children who are taken away from their families almost entirely, at least in the film, because of alcoholism. That's not like the mission statement, but it just, you know, parent after parent, uh, you hear about um, that's that's what the, that's what the wow. struggle is with. And this is a movie that for me was just all about the faces of, of the children and, you know, the, the camera just sort of stays with them in this house. So it's also just a lot about the playing that they pass their time with. I guess they're sort of kids between, I don't know, anywhere between eight and, and 12 or 13. Or, and it picks three or four kids to kind of go through. And the first one they choose actually is able to leave and, you know, find a new home. Um, after the first 20 minutes, which I thought is a kind of, I appreciated that because I, I don't always love when movies about people at risk build a certain suspense into it around what will happen to them, which, I don't know, it seems to like commodify sure. the, sure. <laughs> the, the suffering or, or the tension of their existence. Yeah. In this case, they kind of get it out of the way that one one kid does, you know, make it somewhere. Um, the filmmaker clearly is able to like transmit the presence of, of these children and be with them in, in the moment, holding on expressions and just feeling these delicate little interplays between kids and friendships and that sort of thing. Um, and obviously had total access, I guess, because probably technically the people who run this place are the guardians. Right, so right. Probably just do everything in there. Yeah, it's a movie you might think would be tugging at your heartstrings in a way that would feel false, but because of how the filmmaker is able to really burrow inside their experience, and she picks like three or four compelling personalities. I, you know, I guess you might have chosen like kids who were, you know, really in a dark place and couldn't present to the camera in some way. So I guess there's that. But um, she picks personalities uh, that are interesting to see in their kind of nascent state. But anyway, I. Already went on longer. Well, that's well, that's that. no, but that's that's hot. I, I definitely will check that out now. One other documentary we could talk about: Jihad Rehab. Well, I mean, in some ways, the the premise is you know it is definitely a title meant to, for maximum impact and and, mm-hmm. and 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 sort of gets at the concept of it all, right? So these are it is a place in Saudi Arabia where men can spend or or are required to spend a year um, before going back into society, uh, and, and it's basically a halfway house between. Guantanamo uh, and society. In a sense, it's it's sort of uh, an agreement that was struck at some point to sort of uh, allow men to leave Guantanamo on their way to rehabilitating themselves. I can't remember if it's strictly for Yemeni um, citizens or if we're following mostly Yemeni citizens 
but our, our main subjects are Yemeni citizens who undergo this process to actually finally gain their citizenship after, or, or sorry, their freedom after a decade and a half of captivity. And but they're also, as we find out, not not allowed to even go back to Yemen, so they have to sort of make a go for it in in a different country as well, which is Saudi Arabia. So that's that's yeah. that's the that's the arc of it, and it's 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 a captured over I think five years or so. Yeah, and I mean, and in a way, also spans you know even more of a stretch of history, just because of their their history, because they are all people who were detained in Guantanamo Bay. I mean, that's that's pretty soon after September 11th. For me, part of just the appeal of this documentary was uh, making a movie that probably couldn't have been made 15 years ago. And and I think this is maybe part of what might rub people the wrong way about the movie. It's because it this could be a reality show <laughs> about what happens when a person has to relearn the skills of life because they've been in prison, except these are people who were deemed terrorists. And here we are learning about how nervous they are about, you know, meeting women or driving a car or expressing their feelings in drawings. And it sort of makes no bones about what it's doing either, because anytime you have some tough topic, um, you'd, you'll have some basically comic relief in a way, you know, uh, it, it's, it's really edited in that way. And I guess it should be said that, the, that this program is a program run by Saudi Arabia. Right. Um, and that there was a kind of deal as part of an arms deal with the U.S., if I understood the film correctly, that these prisoners would be released from Guantanamo to Saudi Arabia if they go to this program. Right. I, there are just so many fascinating like contingencies here and moral issues that are really just kind of woven into practical concerns, which in turn kind of bring up the issues again. So yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm kind of curious what people will think about this because it's a movie where I'm aware of the issues yeah. about it. Uh, I, I don't think I can adequately get into all of this, mm-hmm. nor do I think that I'm sort of the best one to get into all the other thoughts around the film. You know, I mean, I mean, I will yeah. say that just in the kind of first off interesting among the sea of people having uh, an honest sort of first experience with what they're seeing on that, in that film nationwide, you know, worldwide, I guess, mm-hmm. and encountering the stories of these men is, is also just a, a pretty strong vociferous anger from folks who make films about Arab subjects and we're not fans of the way this film was executed. Um, I, ca- I can't say that that's necessarily where I'm coming from, so I don't necessarily have that perspective, but it was interesting to see some of those responses come through on Twitter in particular. And I have a feeling mm-hmm. that that conversation will go forth as it should, which is good, you know? Um, but I mean, I, I will say that there are, I agree with you that there's a lot of substance here. There's a lot of there are a lot of things I'm really grateful for that I get a chance to see, and the access is is extraordinary. Mm-hmm. And you know, what, certainly we wouldn't be able to see this 15 years ago. And regardless of when, I think this is a coup in terms of what you're able to sort of see. And uh, the filmmaker's voice is is very present. The, the you're you're hearing questions. There's kind of an Errol Morris uh, influence to the 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 dynamism to the interviews. Um, so it's not like there's there's a denial of the sort of interventionist aspects of this from the filmmaker, but I think that there is also there if within that as part of what my frustration is is that there's not a there's not a lot of that I'm seeing in terms of decisions made in terms of what we're seeing self interrogation from the film's perspective in terms of where it's coming from the perspective it's coming from privilege it has uh, the kind of questioning of what role it is playing in relation to these other kind of power dynamics in play. Mm-hmm. 
stuff that I just feel like it's actually, you know, you said you could have made this film 15 years ago, but there's other ways in which it feels like a 15 year old film in terms of, it, it doesn't seem bothered by a lot of the questions that a lot of documentary filmmakers these days are obsessed with and need to be obsessed with, you know, um, mm -hmm. who am I to X, you know, what, like what position am I in in relation to this? What are the power structures? You know, what responsibility do I have to them in this situation or that situation? So there's something about it that is, you know, kind of uh, an incredible thing to watch because it feels unguarded in that way, but it also uh, makes me question a lot of things too. You know, um, mm -hmm. there's, there's a ample use of, that is bothering me the most ample use of please don't film this. I don't want to answer this footage, which I feel is overused, tends to be overused in documentary film. Anyway, it winds up being, it, it to me exposes what should be part of the kind of trust process as it is, you know, the, the, when I, when I say don't film or when I say, I don't want to answer that in, in some ways it, it kind of, it, it, it's a real serious power play. Because you're basically mm -hmm. implying by showing that in the film that, you know, they're hiding something or that they are a bad guy. You know, you know, the, the, the one the one character who's 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 participates and then decides to sort of opt out. And we're given the tile card that he stopped cooperating with the filmmaker. You know, it, 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 that leads to kind of a montage about this doesn't always work, you know, and that sometimes they go back mm -hmm. to being terrorists. We don't know anything about that particular guy and whether or not that was the case. We also don't know. You know what I mean? So the, there's there's a way in which his I don't want you asking about the things that I did or did not do. I'm sure there's a lot of reasons why somebody would not want to at, talk to this person about that, you know, and to be pressed on that and then to have it used in the film doesn't speak well to the relationship of trust, I think, involved here, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so I found that troublesome, you know. Um, I don't want to watch a film like this where these guys regardless of what they did or did not do, which I don't think is really relevant to what it is, I don't want to feel like they're endangered by the film in any way, you know? And I'm not saying that they are. I just don't want to feel that way. You know, I don't feel like that's the right sort of space to, to for me to be in as a viewer. Like, do I have to worry about... Um, well, put it this way. You can have me worry about whether or not your participation in their lives is, is damaging or not. But if you are going to you you have to own that <laughs> you have to own that um that question rather than make me feel that you haven't thought through that which doesn't mean that they, it's not thought through but i felt that at various moments of the film mm -hmm. i do think some of the footage that you and i are, are grateful for and responding to is maybe thanks to not being too caught up in self-reflection around these things but I, I could have used more yeah no i totally i mean first just how Arabs are portrayed on the screen, I, I, I completely get that. I mean, this is packaged a certain way, so I, yeah. I will definitely be reading more about that. And I also, you know, also get what you're saying about that. I, I mean, I, I think that sort of self-reflection, yeah, I would have to agree that it is seems to be sort of a conscious decision not to make that a, 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 a force or in the film, just kind of plugging on ahead um, and... I guess part of the concerns you're describing are arising in the end of the film when it moves into the period under the, the new Saudi crown yeah. prince yeah. and MBS, the uh, Mohammed bin Salman, because it's abundantly clear that no one wants to talk at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah. And for good reason. And like <laughs> yeah. everybody's in danger yeah. if you're talking so that they're not being stubborn. It's just unsafe. Yeah, Absolutely. And, you know, one guy is like, you're an intelligent woman, Meg, you know, and <laughs> it's like basically to say, like, you know, you know better. 
yeah. you know what's going on here. You know exactly why I'm not saying what I'm saying. Um, so I'm, I'm not saying that's like a, enough of an acknowledgement. So in some ways, it, it kind of, for, for, to be somewhat pejorative here, something like the Icarus effect, right? Where another film that I had issues with and that others did, but also played well, you know, and was kind of a compelling thing to look at because though you can't help but question what the filmmaker is doing and, and how much is by design and how much is, is, is not, you're, you have access to, there's incredible things happening. You know, you're you're able to see things that you wouldn't see otherwise. So there is there there is it's not just a one edge. There is a double. There is a there is another edge to the sword. It's just, yeah, I don't know. There there's there's there is an aspect of this that surprising for 2022 about how for American audience this seems. You know how for mm-hmm. Western audiences this seems. Which whatever there's there's a history of that it's it's valid to a certain degree, but it also does limit I think what it is because it just doesn't seem to have the 360 perspective, which of course may be impossible, but I'm not sure if it's even uh, acknowledging that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and listen, if if you're coming to this with kind of dismissive, extremely negative, dark personification of evil thoughts of men who are involved with Al Qaeda, Al Qaeda and uh, Osama bin Laden, uh, and you know this film will certainly show you a more complicated, complex portrait of of young men. So if if that's where you're starting, and maybe that's where it's assuming you're starting, there is mm-hmm. there is a journey here. Yeah. Um, but if you're coming in with assuming that these are complicated young men who got caught up in something, and maybe even have valid reasons for all the sort of um, wayward uh, directions they, they they took their 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 feelings, but I think then then I'm not sure, you know, you know, in some ways it's like, uh, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for the access, but I'm not sure where you're taking it. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is a sort of another universe than something like the oath. Sure. Sure. So yeah, I mean, definitely a movie that I think merits a, a, a lot of chewing over. Oh, definitely. That, that is, that is for sure. And, and, and all, all I'll say is that any of the things you and I are saying here, this is, less than a day or in your case, I think a few hours after, after seeing this, I feel like this is, I very much look forward to significant writing about this film. Yeah, absolutely. So that is uh, Jihad Rehab directors, Meg Spaker. And moving along to another documentary that was premiered this weekend that uh, I, <laughs> I had uh, a lot of fun with, uh, and that is we met in virtual reality. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Second Life has been around for a long time, yeah. comparatively speaking. So I'm sure there will be viewers of this who will say, like, this is coming from a perspective that, you, you know, as if it's a brand new thing or something. But uh, I, I, you know, I actually admired how this is a movie entirely shot if yeah. uh, shot is the word uh, in the world of a virtual world. Part of what, why I, I, I like this so much and I think it, it feels fresh is that it is not approaching itself as it has to explain to us that this exists and mm-hmm. that this is, can you believe it? People are living lives and having relationships in a virtual space. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't happen that way. So I actually spent a lot of the film in a, in a pleasurable way trying to actually catch up to how this even works, you know, trying to catch up to what physical behavior might be manifesting itself in these um, avatars behaving the way they do in this space. It's not explained. And, and I love that it's not, 
you know, so there is a way in which we're kind of catching it midstream. Um, in some ways, the, the, the title is the most sort of like user friendly aspect of it, because otherwise it's a disorienting experience, but only for me, who's not used to that environment, which I think is, I, I don't know, I just really appreciate that approach. Yeah. I don't feel like my hand's being held, taking me into virtual reality land, um, because you're right. This is this has been going on for a long time. There's nothing about this that um, is brand new. So if you're not familiar with this particular territory, um, you'll catch up. Yeah, and so like I don't. There's a lot of different ways of talking about this, and I feel like you probably will only touch on the. We'll get the tip of the iceberg here, but this is a filmmaker named Joe Hunting, who um, spent basically the pandemic also in this space uh, in the virtual reality land, and came upon the notion of of making a film about who he's meet, who the people he's meeting there. Um, how he made the film entirely in that space is something I'm desperate to ask and talk about. Um, yeah. I'm sure you and I are both like you know, the journalists in us are like, I cannot wait to talk to this guy because it's, it's, it's one thing that kind of the, the stunt of it is one thing, but the actually making a successful documentary aspect of it is what I'm just, I'm so into, you know, there's coverage, you know, there's multiple angles. Like, how the hell do you yeah. do that? I don't, and, 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 and I, I would imagine it actually involves a similar amount of collaboration with subjects because you're basically saying, I need a different angle. Stay, stay there. I'm going to go over to this spot to make sure I get, you know, as you would, you know, the dirty secret of, of constructing scenes and documentaries that happens frequently. Um, mm-hmm. And in this case, it's just happening in the virtual space, but the, how to actually make the, that space work on your behalf to make an effective documentary. Like I said, that, necessitates coverage to be able to cut to be able to edit and i think it's beautifully constructed in that way yeah and in some ways like by the end of the film i'm just very used to by having i wouldn't say it's a traditional documentary but having the grammar of documentary employed in this space is a smart and valuable way to do it yeah i was also fascinated by by that you know uh, being yeah different camera placements in a room quote unquote you know whether that's like a a classroom. I mean, some of the locales in the film are, you know, a, a classroom where sign language is being taught, a bar, or a which I think is the, the opening scene is in, is in a bar. Yeah. Um, and and you know, there's also like a pool room at one point. Then they also do some trips outside, quote unquote, outside, meaning like <laughs> exterior settings. Yeah. Um, yeah which also have their own uh, camera angles on, on that and, and giving the camera a placement that is a sort of placement you would see in a, in a real world. I guess, I guess part of the point is that that's not necessary. Like if there, you could do it from the POV of one of the people in this, in this world or something, like there are sort of ready-made perspectives on this world yeah. Um, but he's making these choices yeah. to reframe, and it's it's just sort of fascinating for background. I mean, we're, I, yeah, we're we're kind of like nerding out on that aspect, but it's it, there's also an interview aspect and in, in yeah. getting into these lives. I don't know about you, but I was I was also impressed by that fly on the wall as aspect. Oh my goodness! Uh, yeah, no, the things he's 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 privy to the the kind of the nakedness of a lot of those interviews and what people are talking about. Um, mm-hmm. Just really, really tender the whole thing. Um, yeah, I also just feel like maybe we finally got to the point where anything involving virtual reality is not a promotion for itself. I feel like <laughs> we've had that for the longest goddamn time. And it's just yeah. so nice. Like nothing about this made me want to do it. <laughs> nothing about <laughs> this made me want to, oh, I, you know what? Maybe I would enjoy this too. But that's just me. Like it's not a, it, 
it's neither yeah. promotional nor dystopian. It's just this isn't this is a mm-hmm. as as a good work of nonfiction should be. Like this is this is approaching a whatever a, a subculture and environment and characters, and it's sort of making it come to life for me, or it's making me privy to lives that they are choosing to allow me to be privy to. And mm-hmm. it's not about like how great this is or believe it or not, people are having amazing, you know, sex lives in virtual reality. You could too. It's just not where it's coming from whatsoever. Right. It's a, yeah. um, and, and I really, really, I don't, I don't know, like maybe it's just, this is an extraordinary work, but it does feel like, God, I hope this is where we're headed because then I can actually start being, being interested because <laughs> in previously it's just, um, I, I feel like there's, there's some sort of corporation that needs me to buy into it for the industry. To pay mm-hmm. off. And, and yeah. that I'm less interested in. Yeah, it's very much relationship driven. I mean, it's it's looking at first the the reasons people are in this world, and then the relationships that keep them there, um, yeah. and you know, yeah. or that you know keep bringing them back there, which is a nice move because it's not it's not the sort of thing where it's there's no excuse made for being in the world. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there are ex- explanations, but sure. and I mean, I was reminded uh, of a documentary from last year, Sundance which I, I mentioned not to like compare good or bad, uh, A Glitch in the Matrix. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I thought about that too. Sure. Yeah, the Rodney Asher film, which is a totally different subject because, you know, it's it's about people who believe that we are living in the Matrix, basically. And then right. it's a movie that takes, you know, uh, one of the darkest turns I've seen in any movie, <laughs> fiction or nonfiction, by showing people who followed through on their beliefs in that uh, in and I guess dissociated from the, from the real world. Right. And right. So it, that's like one other extreme, but uh, it's a movie that uses, let people use avatars in its interviews, yeah. which I thought was really novel and interesting, sure. but you know, obviously that's, it's still sort of part of the, the school where you're approaching it, looking at it as, as a symptom. Sure. Yeah. It, 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 to me, it's like, I, I like that film a lot, but it's, it's a, it's a, it's a dystopian film, you know, mm-hmm. like, it's effective because it allows you to sort of go a far distance into the mindset. You know, it's not sort of alienating um, you from them. In fact, depending on the viewer, you can get uncomfortably aligned with where they may, uh, where, where, where they're headed. Um, But I think it is dystopian where this is, this is not that, you know, but it's, it's not, it's not promotional either. I was actually really, I loving how often, I wouldn't say they talk about it constantly, but they talk about the real life, you know, they're like we're doing this now, and I hope I can't wait to see you in in real life. It's not like they're they're like disavowing anything involving the physical world. It felt you know, and maybe that's, there's a choice being made there in terms of subjects that have you know mm-hmm. a somewhat healthy relationship to it. Um, but I didn't. I, I, I appreciated again. That's it's another way in which it didn't feel like a, a promotion for, for that space. I, you know, it is a world about which I have plenty of thoughts. You know, so there is there was a part of me watching this where I did worry a bit about how this all would play out. <laughs> this this is an outlet, yeah. uh, and yeah. uh, you know, people in the movie talk about coming there out of terrible family loss um, or you know or loneliness or that sort of thing. Yeah, there are aspects there which I I still harbor some thoughts about, sure, sure, sure. Um, but. I'm one other thing I, I, I wanted to mention. I mean, we were talking about the camera work, but I also just wanted to, to talk a bit about the look of it and what it is you're actually looking at. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and in, in this, because it has to be said that apparently, at least in this particular virtual world, because I know there are many places where people gather and also, 
you know, every every game people are connect through through gaming. Sure. This this sounds dumb for me to say that to any listener who is well familiar with that, but it just bears repeating that a lot of that socializing, ton of socializing. I've actually, I think I've seen two other movies in Sundance where people are socializing through gaming. Uh, there's some glimpse of that. And so that's, I just mentioned that because what you're looking at on screen, it seems like people are still having avatars that look like anime characters yeah. Um, yeah. with, you know, tails and a lot of tails. A yeah, two thirds of your body is is a is a leg. If you're a woman, you know it, it's this very bosomy character. If you're a guy, that guy dresses up with like six six packs, or you maybe even you're just a mogwai, uh, <laughs> um, which is kind of I just can't really get over that. That's that's just seems to be the coin of the realm. <laughs> that's like that's just the fashion still i i don't know uh, and they even show someone who's an avatar designer which is really i love that little yeah glimpse of like the society but i don't know what did you what did you make of that like there's some point of view i just couldn't believe it after a while i love i love how i love how this is this is the oldest you could possibly sound not not that it's age but this is the moment where you're like <laughs> what are you going out you're you're going outside dressed like this what is this <laughs> um I don't know. I feel like it winds up being so. I, I, I'm I'm no expert here, and a sociologist, I feel like probably could have interesting things to say about this. But there's, you know, mm. I, I think it's self-selective in terms of certain aesthetics and genres, and like what who's attracted to this game, you know, um, based on that. And so I do think, you know, you're not going to get somebody who's going to show up like dressed as Mickey Mantle. Um, in this you're going to get yeah, why wasn't there anyone dressed as mickey mantle because I, I feel like somebody who might choose that avatar is not particularly attracted to this space and, and but maybe it's also you know though yeah we can't even begin to, to get into this nick i mean i feel like there's also like ways in which you know they're very people are very freed to be who they want to be mm-hmm. and strange as they want to be and yet they still are you know influenced by a certain they're socialized by by this community you know, right. so it winds up being like, yeah, I can be anything I want to be, but I'm going to be this thing that's sort of in a, in a groove I've been in for a while in terms of what literature I'm reading, what comics I'm reading, what games I'm playing. So, you know, yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't think you just sort of go into this game world fresh without any kind of sense of what the, the, the aesthetics are. And if you do, you quickly catch on to the sorts of things you could go for. But also like what's being designed, what options do you have? You have like a an avatar designer. Like, are there infinite choices there, or are there kind of popular options there that that you know is kind of what people want? I, I don't know. Like, we are clueless, Nick. You and I are clueless about this. <laughs> but, I mean, as clueless people, I'm with you. Like, I like every once in a while, I'm looking around and I'm like, that's a lot of tails. Why does everybody want a tail? What is it about a tail? You know? But I, yeah. I don't know. You know that I, I yes that passes through my head too, but I also am moved by the way that um, folks talk about choices. There's there's a there's a one mo- there's a this one moment which I kind of like. It was kind of a field trip, and among non main characters in the film, and um, in some ways that was kind of the most motley crew of people. Their avatars were in various guises, and so we talked mm-hmm. about being trans, you know, and being able to kind of mm-hmm. not only just sort of kind of have unaffiliated uh, qualities uh, for the av- avatar. Uh, but then also being able to change avatars based on mood and that you could be mm-hmm. somebody who looks different each time you log in, which I'm, is, is I'm, I was thinking about in terms of how do friends recognize you? Like, what is that, you know, do you, or is that part of the idea is that you're an unrecognized, but, but that's, it's an, it's, it's an interesting extension of some of the questioning that's going on yeah. in, in the real world right now. 
and that part is absolutely thrilling. I mean, that is that is great. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I hasten to say that I'm not like, I'm not making fun of it when I one when I marvel at the, <laughs> no, at the you're not. number of tales. It's it's more just it's more almost just like from an aesthetic standpoint. It's kind of amazing to me that that's that's it's kind yeah. of you know it's like you pick a decade and stuck with it. Like they stuck with you know a certain. Um, uh, but even you're just calling anything anime is ridiculous. Like it's it's obviously hugely rich and oh, yeah. varied um, genre. But um, all, all, I, all I know, Nick, is that when I you know the older I get, the more obvious it is to everyone around me that I was born in the '70s. So you know it's just <laughs> it doesn't really go away. Well, the crazy thing is I've actually just been reading um, Neuromancer recently, just partly because I wanted to see how it aged. You know, how does the future age? Is always kind yeah, of funny, oh, it's always interesting um, question. You know, and the one thing I liked about the documentary is that it's not it really sticks to the, to the human level in the sense it's like, what was the emotional need? What was the emotional desire for this? It's not self-conscious about people's, it's not self-conscious about people's um, virtual physical beings in the, in the movie, which is also refreshing. Like it, it doesn't, doesn't, I, I don't remember there being like easy jokes about the fact that people don't have a wide range of facial expression Sure, um, sure. that, you know, People can kind of dis lines can blur, disappear into each other, um, and there's something very liberating and nice about that yeah. lack of self conscious that I, I appreciate. And obviously, is a, is is a decision because so much crazy glitchy stuff is happening that you you could fill a movie with with that. Oh yeah, all the deliberate choices to kind of work within that space without mm -hmm. without exploiting, as you're saying, the things that you might laugh at or or dismiss or find lacking. It's yeah, you know, there there's there's a lot of Clearly, it's very constructive and clearly very shot, as it were. Um, but it's not thinking too much about, well, we can't, I can't have a movie that's filled with this much glitching. We can't have a movie in which our main right. character's mouth never moves. Like, it just doesn't, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not worried about that. Yeah. As you said, it's not a movie that seeks to explain any of it. And not a criticism so much as a critique of the movie would be, it's like, the structure beneath this is invisible. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. You know, like, how much does it cost? Sure. Um, oh, sure. Do you have to do you have to pay for your avatar costume? Sure. Which I mean, most any I think you do, and all that sort of thing. You know, what what's what's the access point, and and all of that. That's something I thought about during the movie because it's you automatically think of the next facet to this. Oh yeah. Like, what else about this? And I, and I think the uh, the VR apparatus is thanked in the credits at the end too. You know, like mm. I, I think there's a decent chance that you know, what this would have cost for the filmmaker was carried somewhere, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously there's, there's, there's field of vision and cinetic, like it had some significant support from reputable uh, entities, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that it was made completely divorced from how expensive, whatever this, this market is. Mm -hmm. And that's not in there. You're absolutely right. You know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's, that's even the production side. I was, I wasn't even, I, I was more sim simplistic just thinking about the consumer, the consumer like the people sure. in, in the, in the, in the world yeah. side. Yeah. And that's part of the appeal, uh, at least as voiced by some people, which is that no one's asking you about, you know, <laughs> that part of your life, which, yeah, at least on screen, that isn't really happening, except when people are talking about how they met up IRL or something. Sure. Um, sure. You know, it's, it's not like people are doing shop talk about their jobs or, or, or whatever. I think, um, because, I, think it's, yeah. I think it's commendably focused in terms of what it is about mm -hmm. and how yeah. it wants to approach this. So therefore... Those questions are, are are fair, but I'm not sure. I felt like I needed them answered within the within this mm -hmm. case of the film. Yeah, I yeah, I've definitely seen a couple of movies where 
yeah, they could have done with some focus because um, you can't do everything. But uh, I, I feel like that's that's might be a, a, an effective exit point uh, as we return to the virtual festival. We I do. We got to press play on a couple things. That's right. <laughs> but um, there's yeah, and obviously there's plenty of movies that we, we haven't uh, gotten to yet. So there's definitely, including just in the past few days. Yeah. But actually, that's I'll just do a brief note where that's the kind of blessing or mixed blessing of this festival, which is for a lot of viewers now it's possible to kind of catch up with some things over the next couple of days oh, yeah. in a way that is not always really possible on the ground in a festival. Absolutely. No. Um, and, you know, obviously I think there are, there are limited view views per film. So it's not like it's infinite amount of options, but yeah, you, you read some tweets, you get a little bit of buzz and you actually can put $20 down and watch the thing. Um, so that's, yeah. that's a big, that's a big change. All right. So we'll, we'll leave it there. Um, and I'm just going to go put on my tail now and my ears uh, and I'll be, I'll see you in the spaceship. I would, I, you know, I wouldn't rule out being a Mogwai at some point. That was not, okay. you know, that, that, that is the one, that is the one avatar that I was really tempted by. Uh, <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> You've been listening to The Last Thing I Saw with your host, Nicholas Rapold please consider signing up at rapold.substack.com. Special thanks to the Minarets for the opening music. Thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.